Matt Stepp, welcome to week 20 of the 2020-2021 Texas high school football season. We're in the matrix. Tap and step. Your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends, your amigos, uh, your 2021 uh, warriors at Dave Campbell's Texas football and texasfootball.com. I am the Tep Greg Pepper. And I'm the step, Matt Step. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider and joining us on this. Uh, no, it's not the penultimate episode. I was going to say, I love the word penultimate. It's the anti-penultimate episode. The yeah. third the before the penultimate yeah it's the anti-penultimate uh uh, podcast episode of tep and step for this week 20 week 20 20 dude our first our first episode let me see if i can pull this up real real quick um when our first episode of tep and step was um not not for, for this season um let's see let me look at this probably august august 23rd yeah, it's going to be somewhere around there. So, like, yeah, week three, week two, week one. Our small school preview edition came out on August twentieth. Yeah. Um. So that yeah. So so that's the that's the first like I I would say that's the first episode of the season. Yeah. Was our yeah. was our small school preview? That was August twentieth. It is now January fourth, and we are talking about I guess theoretically the same season that that episode only talked about like 43 a and 2a mm-hmm. but like still counts i'm gonna remember, count it and i remember in those first few episodes we were talking about how it was going to be so weird having mm-hmm. the season run run as long as it is but i think we both probably also said if we can get to that point we'll be super excited and yes guess what? and you know what guys we're two weeks away we're, we've we're almost there we are. and and i think that in itself i think we'll you'll see a lot of this these takes on social media in the next couple of weeks, uh, you know, a minor miracle to get to this point. It so, is. Yes. So I'm happy. We've, uh, we we're close to the end and, and I'm, I'm excited. It's a great moment yeah. this week. I'm not, I don't, I don't want to say that I'm ready for football season to be over because I'm never ready for football season to be over. But I will also say this. If you have got, if you have not gotten your fill of Texas high school football this season, that's on you. Yeah, it's on you this year. It yeah. was available. <laughs> it was readily available this year. So it was in in every way, shape, and form, it was available. So, so I, I do think I know how many games I'm, I'm going to go to. God, God willing, I can make it the next two weeks. Uh, my season will end with 85 games in person. That ain't bad, dude. For for a for even you know, like on one hand, it is. Um, like you should have more because the season has gone longer, but on the other hand, you should have way less because, you know, pandemic. Yeah, and I missed two weeks. Yeah. If I had to miss those two weeks, I think I'd have, I'd have pushed over 90. 85 is a ridiculous number. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is your state semifinal preview edition of Tep and Step. This is one of our finest episodes that we it do is. every year. Although it's it is going to be it's going to be obviously more truncated. Normally we do our big state semifinal watching guide, and we got twenty games to get through. Mm, yeah, yeah, and it lasts like an hour. Yeah, yeah. Oh my or god, an hour and a half. Yeah, it's 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 so long. But this uh, instead, just just eight. We got eight games. I mean, we're gonna breeze through this thing. Four on Friday, four on Saturday. So, uh, huh. and so you know, if you want to get out to a game, you got you don't have many choices. So, if you can make it out, and that the they're not very spread out this year either. You know, the locations mm-hmm. of the so on Friday, the four games are Arlington, Denton, San Antonio, and Bryan, mm-hmm. and then uh, Saturday, the four games are in Arlington, uh, Waco, uh, Katy. Mm-hmm. And well, where's the other one at? Damn it. And really, that does kind of speak to the fact that we don't really have any oh, regional. McKinney. McKinney. Yeah, McKinney. We don't really have any regional party crashers this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the closest we have would be Wichita Falls Rider, mm-hmm. right? Out of the Wichita Falls area. Or Corpus Christi Vets. Um, those are really the only two. Every other team comes from what you could call a greater metro, a greater metro area. Mm-hmm. DFW, right. Houston, or Austin. 
Right, exactly. So R.I.P. San Antonio. Uh, R.I.P. San Antonio. Been and rough. so this is your semifinal watching guide edition. We're going to tell you, go through each game week by week. There's no reason to do a a, a look back because we're just going to talk about probably each game that we mm-hmm. saw last week uh, while we're previewing these games. So we will do our watching guide. Uh, if games start at the same time, we'll go biggest to smallest. And so we will start on Friday. We'll start Friday at 7 o'clock at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. It is a 5A Division I state semifinal between, as I think we're not surprised to see, the Denton Ryan Raiders. Oh, I here. thought you were going to say the other team. We were. <laughs> and, and the Mansfield Summit Jaguars, who... Well, okay, let's go back to the preseason because I think it's it's important to mention because I always like doing this whenever we get to this point in the season. Going back and seeing where we had these teams had everybody ranked. Dan Ryan started the year number one, okay? No That's, shock. They've yeah. been wire to wire number one. We'll talk about them coming up here in a moment. Um, Summit, Summit is a surprise, but it is worth mentioning they did start the year ranked. Correct. I think they were 22nd, 23rd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we th- we thought this would be a really good team. They dropped yeah. down from the you know they 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 were in that you know Desoto Cedar Hill district last year. Mm-hmm. So you know really good you know really good team made the playoffs last year. So this is a battle tested ball club dropping down to five A. We thought they'd be pretty good, and you know they had to to no fault of their own. A couple of games canceled. They got you know they got blown out by Ennis early on, and I think they kind of fell off our radar a little bit, and then they. They had some struggles in district play. They had two games canceled by other teams, and they they lost a fairly close one to Red Oak, and then they got they got drilled by Midlothian. Yeah, and that that to me was the one that yeah. I was like, okie dokie, we can kind of we I don't want to say right summit off, but it's like that's a team that's going to make that if they make the playoffs, we don't need to worry about them past. Mm-hmm. I can, normally I'd say past Thanksgiving, but you know you know what I mean. And, and even I mean kinda, honestly, even I go back to. There's what ended up being their second game of the year in their third week of the season when they lost to Mansfield mm-hmm. 27 to 20. And we were, and you and I had, had a feeling pretty early on. It's like, man, that's not a great Mansfield team this year. Like, and, and for them to lose that game, that was when I was like, okay. And then you had that, those back-to-back losses uh, late in the season to Red Oak and to Midlothian. And neither of them were particularly close. Both of them were 19 point games. Mm-hmm. That's what, or I'm sorry, they lost to Redick by 21, but it's like, okay, well, probably we, you know, they kind of go into that file that we keep in our brain of like, they are teams that exist. They have a couple of playmakers. They're probably not making a run. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, here we are on January 4th talking about the Mansfield they, Summit. They've left region one in their wake. I mean, you, you look at, at their, their run through region one, they beat two, they beat two district champs. They beat Abilene Cooper on the road. They beat Colleyville Heritage, their district champion of their own district, who they mm-hmm. didn't get to play, but they beat them. They beat a second-place team in Amarillo, Tascosa, and then they beat uh, Red Oak, who they avenged the loss to Red Oak in the regular season. And other than the Cooper game, I think all the games have been really close. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they've been all all close games. That's a credit to Summit and Sh- Coach Shannon Hall and, and, and their kids for, for, for fighting and believing and, and, and finding a way to make a play late to win the ball game. Um, you know, winning close games can be an art form a lot of the time. And, and I think Mansfield Summit has, has proven that they can do that. The problem is, is they're playing a team that doesn't play close games very often in Denton Ryan. And man, this might well, be, yeah, I mean, this might be the, the more, one of the more lopsided spreads of the weekend because Den- Denton Ryan is a juggernaut. Uh, the, well, give, first of all, let's give some credit to Denton Ryan for exercising the demons. Um, and we were watching that game and you and I were going back and forth and in the Slack chat and then the Dave Campbell staff, we were going for, we were going back and forth. Um, and we're like, man, Den Ryan is not burying Highland park. They are letting them hang around. And we all know how this movie ends. Yeah. We <laughs> were, I was very concerned. I'm like, man, you've got to bury Highland park because if you let them hang around, yeah, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to bite you. Ask, ask Manville about that. That is I cannot remember the last time that worked. I cannot remember the last time that a team was able to just hold Highland Park at arm's length. Mm-hmm. But that's what they did. And I'll be honest, that's 
arguably more impressive than going out there and blowing them out. Yeah, it's very impressive. I mean, that defense, I mean, you, you hold the Highland Park offense to seven points. That's incredible. That, that, is, that, that, that is an offense that even when Highland Park loses, they, they lose scoring points. Mm-hmm. And for Denton Ryan to hold them to seven points, I think just shows the level of dominance when, when they're locked in and they're dialed in. Uh, it's really hard to move the football on them um, and, and completely shutting down Highland Park. You know, their offense, I thought, could have been better last week. They they made they, they turned the ball over, had a couple turnovers in the red zone, you know, with points, plays, that kind of thing. But, my God, Jatavian Sanders, my God. Well, they – Yeah, they, they turned the ball alien. over – They turned the ball over twice. Mm-hmm. And the numbers are actually relatively, like, impressive. Like, they, they didn't run the ball particularly well, which – Credit to Highland Park for kind of saying we're going to need – was like Seth Hennigan, you're going to have to go out there and beat them, which I do think is the path, by the way. I think if Ryan is – like – and Longview has followed a, followed a similar path, which is we're going to shut down the run. If Seth Hennigan beats us, we're just going to tip our cap. Uh, they but but make no mistake, this is a defense-first team. Like they held Highland Park to 229 yards, man. Yeah. I mean they – that that's that's for, for Highland Park. I would need to look at the last time they were held under 250 yards. It's probably been a while. Yeah, probably that, that elite 2013 game against that great Alito team. They lost 40, 44 to three. Probably um, that's probably, probably it. That's that's a lot. That's that's a set eight years ago now. So and so and so now you're faced with like, you know, I, 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 one thing I, I think is interesting about this is that if you look at who Summit has played in the playoffs, and this is going to sound like I'm crapping on a team that's here in the state semifinals, and I promise that I'm not. We have a lot of respect for what Shannon Hall's squad has done. This is probably the first team that they will play that can match up with them from an athlete perspective. Across um, the board, yeah. Re- across the board. That yeah. like I think Red, from- Oak, Red Oak was close. The mm-hmm. the thing that Ryan I think is, is their big edge is not only do they match up athlete wise but their their edge in the tr- like that 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 Man- Mansfield Summit offensive line against the Ryan defensive line that's the one I'm, I I just I don't see how Mansfield Summit's offensive line is not not really a strength mm-hmm. and trying to go up against the Denton Ryan defensive line if if you can't block Denton Ryan I mean you're just you're gonna get you're just going to get ambushed. Well, I mean, look, you, you, I mean, I don't want to say that you completely diagnosed the game last week, but like you came out and you said, look, if, if Denton Ryan is in the backfield and they are pressuring Braden Shager with four, then the game's over. And that's basically what happened is yeah. that Denton Ryan and Bear Alexander, who we haven't talked enough about and, and Shaman Sanders and all those playmakers up front, they put, they made Braden Shager uncomfortable all game. And, that is, this is, this is, I would say that Highland Park probably is a superior offensive line of summit. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. as a result, it's going to take, it's going to now look Mansfield summit's got the magic. So if you believe in that, here you go. And they've got but, a guy in Hal Presley who, who can go make a play, you know, the yeah. Auburn, Auburn signee, he's good enough to go up and make a play and he might make a play or two. Yeah. But I, I, I really see a, a pretty I'll be well, stunned if this game's closer than, than three touchdowns. Well, the way. computer has – well, you're all – I mean, to, to to your point, the computer does have Ryan by 22. Mm-hmm. Um, all these games – now, they have been underdogs in all of their games, right? In all their playoff games. There are tw- but, but all those have been 10 or fewer. There are 10-point underdogs to Abilene Cooper, 8 to Tascosa, 7 to Heritage, 9 to Red Oak. This would be a, this would be a significant leap forward in the upset pers- in the upset realm. Would this um, be the biggest upset in the playoffs if Summit beat Ryan? I, th- I think so. I mean, not maybe I, not maybe not point wise. There may have been a bigger point wise, but just the magnitude of the game and and yeah, and what From we think mag- magnitude. Yes, and, Taft over Judson is still the one that sticks in my brain. Um, as like the big upset was that Taft R- Roosevelt Roosevelt thank you Roosevelt over Judson is yeah. the one that's that uh, that that still sticks in my head as like the big upset but this would be from a from an impact perspective this would be undoubtedly the most impactful um upset in the playoffs so because because Denton Ryan's moved into category of the pro the the you know hands down they're they're the it's it's Denton Ryan versus the field and most people are taking Denton Ryan to win the title right. you know I agree you know so. So that we'll is going. It's, at, it's at AT&T Stadium Friday night. You know, we've we've seen some great playoff games at AT&T Stadium in the past. We'll be keeping an eye on it. And the winner gets to play next Friday night at AT&T Stadium. We Lovely. now go we stay at seven o'clock, except we're moving north from Arlington to Denton to Apogee Stadium. Glad that 
this is getting a little bit of use here. I love Apogee. It's a great seven. It's an underrated stadium. Great. I love, I think Apogee is the perfect group of five football stadium. I yes. really love it. As, as Ashley Pickles throwing up her, her, her she is. She's her claw. Yeah, she's doing the call. It is seven o'clock Friday night at Apogee Stadium in Denton as the champions of region one, the Wichita Falls Rider Raiders take on the champions of region two, the Alito Bearcats. Um, and, and I guess, I mean, I guess the question is like, uh, like, is there any reason to believe that this meeting between Alito and Wichita Falls Rider will be any different than any of the previous meetings between Alito and Wichita Falls Rider? Because let me give you a little bit of a spoiler here, okay? Uh, they haven't been pretty. No, they have not. I I do think they can be – I think this has a chance to be different. Mm-hmm. Two reasons. Uh, the first one is I don't think this Alito team is as good as the past. This is this is an, a really good Alito team. This is an Alito team that's flawed. Yes, I agree with that. And I think this is a better rider team than what – this is the best team riders ever had, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. Rider's been in the semifinals two other times, but I They're think – I think this is the this is the best team they've ever had. Well, and the last time the last time these two met was in twenty in the twenty eighteen state semifinals in this exact spot, and Alito won sixty three to seven and yeah. just drilled them from the word go. Mm-hmm. I think I agree with you. Now that was, I believe, I believe that was sophomore Jacob Rodriguez for Wichita Falls Rider. That was sophomore. That, that was a Wichita Falls Rider team that came into the semifinals playing, I think, fourteen sophomores. Jeez. So they're all seniors now. Yeah. They, they remember all. that game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that was an Alito team that was pro. I think you're right. That's a better Alito team than what this team at that had Jason McClellan, that had one of the bishops at quarterback, that had a, a monstrous offensive line. Yep. This is still a very good Alito team, but it is not an impenetrable, an impenetrable Alito team. And I think we saw that last week when they got a legit scare against Lovejoy. They were down 10 going into the fourth quarter. And, and- and we were thinking Lovejoy was going to win the game. I mean, they were, it looked like going into the fourth quarter, Lovejoy was going to win the football game because Alito had shown no signs of stopping Lovejoy the entire night. Mm-hmm. And credit to the Bearcats, they in, in winning time in a state semi, in a state quarter, you know, regional final game, they made the plays to win the game. And you know, Demarco Roberts, you know, the Lamar commit um, was the big key. You know, that kickoff return. I think, I think his kickoff return for a touchdown really just changed that game completely. Mm-hmm. Alito's defense got that lift they needed, and they, they locked down uh, Ralph Rucker and Reed Westervelt and that Lovejoy receiving corpse. And then, you know, DeMarco got going behind that offensive line, and they kind of wore Lovejoy down in the fourth quarter. It was it was very impressive uh, to, to see Alito come through, especially on special teams, to come because they had the block punt, and they had the, the kickoff turn. Uh, for Wichita Falls writer, and I think that, you know, again, a lot of this comes back to this is a veteran ball club. It's a lot of guys. And I do think I will say this. I think this writer defense is legit. Um, I don't think that I don't think that there's, you know, I'm not here to tell you that that uh, Lovett Cooper has the greatest offense of all time, mm-hmm. but they they more or less dominated them uh, with the exception of a couple of plays made by Jacob LeFaber. Um this was a really impressive performance, stem to stern from Ryder over Lubbock Cooper, and then they got the big plays from Jacob Rodriguez. And this is a guy, and I know I've been going gaga over him for three years. You'll just have to let me do it one more time, and then maybe he'll be in the title game, and I'll go gaga over him at a title game, or I'll go, or he's off to college. But this guy's a stud, mm-hmm. and he's the guy that when they need the play, you know where he's going, you know where the ball's going. And and he has been really really impressive for them. Yeah, and, and this is like you said, this is a senior heavy rider ball club. I I definitely think they're going to have a chip on their shoulder in this game because no one's picking them to win. No one's giving them a shot against mighty Alito. Alito's got the you know going for ten state titles, that kind of thing. But I I think this is going to be a closer game than people think. Um, Alito's getting the edge. Don't get me wrong. I'm not pick, I'm not sure. picking Rider to win this game, but I think this game has the potential to be very competitive and closer than a lot of people think. And you know what? 
if it's close going into the fourth quarter, you know, there could be some Jacob Rodriguez magic from Wichita Falls Rider because, you know, they're, they're, Ryder's playing for a lot. And what people don't realize is this, this Ryder team is kind of playing for the legacy of Ryder High School because, um, you know, Wichita Falls passed a bond um, in, in November that's going to basically, you know, basically eliminate all three high schools in Wichita Falls. They're, they're going to consolidate into two brand new high schools. So the legacy, they're playing for the legacy of their school at this point. So I, th- I think there's a little bit there. They're playing for a lot, a lot, a lot more than what the normal team would play for. But in the end, you got to go with Alito. That's, yeah. that's the pedigree is too strong, but I think Ryder and Mark Bindle's crew keeps this game much more interesting than we think. I think the first quarter is really important. I think, I think because like Alito has a tendency to run away and hide from teams. Ryder's got to keep this thing tight after 12. They keep this thing tight after 12. It's game on. Maybe Alito starts getting in their own head. They start thinking, oh, it's last week all over again. Um, this is a defense that can hold them in the game. And if they keep this thing close, maybe they can strike late with the seniors that they've got. But I think you're right. I think Alito's got to be the favorite uh, to go into this one. And if you're interested, and I know you are, the computer has Alito by 13. So two touchdowns. Okay. All right, so that will round out 7 o'clock. Let's now matriculate to 7.30 p.m., and let's go south to San Antonio, the Rock Pile. One of my favorite stadiums in the state of Texas. At Alamo Stadium in San Antonio, 7.30 p.m. Friday night, as the champions of Region 3, the Cedar Park Timberwolves, take on the champions of Region 4, and the first team from Corpus Christi, not named Cal Allen, since 1963. To make a state semifinal, it's the Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial Eagles, the tiny baby. They've only been around five years, man. Like they've been, they've been, they've been really successful to start. This, this has been a great program. We have, yeah, we really like. Let's let's make sure we 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 highlight that this is still a very very young program, and here they are in a state semifinal. And I think it's easy to look at easy and fun to look at the quarterbacks in this one and just be really like, Oh yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Ryder Hernandez, of course, for Cedar park, who's been just, I mean, a re- a legit difference maker for them. He's as far been, as he's been great. I saw him in person last week. He's been great. He's taking, he's taking a team from very good to elite. Like that's in a lot of, it's the offense that stepped up going up against Carter center fit. And I think one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the state in center fit, who was real sharp last week, real like did everything they needed to, to roll past Corpus Christi flower bluff again. And to me, this is all about the vets defense. It's gotta be because if they, they do not, they do not want to get this is it's weird because last year veterans memorial was a team that loved to get in shootouts mm-hmm. i think that's a poor decision here yes if they if they were to get into a firefight i do not think they've got the guys to go blow for blow with cedar park not 48 minutes no not for 48 minutes if they want to win this game i think a lower scoring game probably behooves them Absolutely. This this is this is Cedar Park offense that's got, you know, obviously the, the trigger man in, in Hernandez, but they've got lots of weapons. They spread it around a lot. That's a big and physical offensive line. This is just a, and then obviously you look at Cedar Park's defense, the black rain defense. And yeah, they got they got torched a little bit last week against Manville, but they're playing Manville, you know, so mm-hmm. uh you give them, you're willing to give them a pass a little bit going going against Manville here. I think the big thing that I'm looking for is how does Veterans Memorial handle going up against a team that's in essence it, it, you know they haven't played anybody near their weight class all year in my opinion like, like flyer bluff is okay but that's that's not a great flyer bluff team this year you know they, they played corpus christi miller in non-district and again that's a 4a much small i mean cedar mm-hmm. park's gonna have the size and the athletes to go toe-to-toe with veterans memorial and that's gonna be the interesting thing is how does vets handle because they're going to get hit in the mouth, they're they're going to get punched in the face, and they haven't been punched in the face all year. How do yeah. they handle that? You know, Cedar Park plays in a much tougher district. You know, let's you know, I'm not breaking any news here. The Austin area is a tougher football area than the Corpus Christi area. Yes, you know. So, and they, they just got done playing Manville last week. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, even just zoom out and go to go to who they played in the playoffs, like Region Three, like Region Three versus Region Four. They beat I Foster. Think they played they played Foster and Manville last, two of the last three weeks. Yes. 
Exactly. Uh, as opposed to Corpus Christi Vets, God bless them, they've played, let's make sure I got this right, they've played McAllen Row, San Antonio Southwest Legacy, San Antonio Southwest, and then Flower Bluff. Like, from a, like, they were heavy favorites in all of those games. Mm-hmm. In fact, this is the first game of the year, if you believe the computer, that they have been underdogs. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the computer hasn't by 11, has, has Cedar Park by 11 points. This is to me a, a, like the, the numbers are impressive for veterans Memorial. We are now going to find out the rubber is meeting the road this week and, and maybe they pull it out. I, I think that will be the first ones to get on here and be like, Hey, Corpus Christi vets. Awesome. Great job. We're we're, going to be looking forward to seeing you in, in Arlington. Absolutely right. Yeah. But to me, this is a really this is just a really tough matchup for their defense that I think this is going to be by far the most ex- well, the most explosive team, 5A team that they've seen. They played Miller in the opener, but that's, a you know, who knows what, what, what do you do with that? That's that's four months ago, basically, mm-hmm. um, that to me, this is this is going to be a team that is most consistently and by the way, the, the, the best defense probably they've seen all year long. So yeah. I think Cedar Park's got to be your favorite in this one. Can they hold them in it defensively is the big question. So Agreed. at that point, we will have set the 5A Division One state championship game. There's one more game at 730 kicking off in Bryan Green Stadium. You were there last week, right? I was at Merrill Green Stadium. Great, great stadium. Great place. Great venue. 7.30 p.m. Friday night at Green Stadium in Bryan. As the champions of Region 3, the Crosby Cougars. Giant killers. Take on the champions of Region 4, the Liberty Hill Panthers, in what has to be the weirdest semifinal of the year. Any classification. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think any of us had this. This one is a semifinal game for sure. And and look, I, I want to be I want to be very clear. That doesn't mean they don't deserve to be here. They absolutely deserve to be here. But from a matchup perspective and trying to diagnose how this game goes, dude, I'm going to be honest. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't have like, a good, I don't have a good read on this game at all because Liberty no. Hill, what they do offensively is so unique, and they they've got this trick that it's <laughs> if you can stop the trick, you're going to win the game. But no one stopped the trick this year. Not just no one. No one's come close. Yeah. Now, part of that, as we talked about on previous podcasts, is they have not run a murderer's row schedule. No. And Region 4, well, it's defenses especially, they, mm-hmm. they have not run into a lot of real strong defenses. I think they're, they're going to run into the biggest and fastest defense they've played all year in Crosby. And a defense is probably playing their best football of the year as well. Crosby's defense is playing really well um, mm-hmm. late in the year. Um, but Liberty Hill is such a such a tough matchup because what they do is so unique. And trying to get ready for it in a week is a in, in the tempo and the pace they play at. I think you tweeted it out. They run the slot T with the with the pace of a, a of the of the fastest up tempo spread offense. That you like the see. like the urgency. You yeah. know what I mean? Like when I when I watch them, they are playing like they are not a team that wants to get three yards. Like they don't like you can see that when like when you watch Army, okay, Army runs obviously a different a different offense. They run, you know, the 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 triple option. They were on the wing T or the wing basically. If if you watch Army, you and I watch a lot of Army football. They you support you support the troops support the troops. They are very content getting three yards. Three yards, and let's do it again. You know what? We're going to do it again. Now, they'll bust a couple, and they're happy to do that, too, but they're not a home run hitting team. This is a Liberty Hill team that hits home runs in the slot T, and they ran for 717 yards last week, Matt. They averaged, they averaged over 13 yards a carry last week. I mean, we were watching that game. I was watching that game on Texan Live, and I now mean— part, Now part of DCTF. Thank you very much. It is— shocking like staggering to watch them run this offense and it is now again i want to be very clear sherilyn pioneer is a defense that leaves a lot to be desired yeah just a little bit so there's that but like that is what's so amazing about this game is that that like can crosby find a couple of stops because i will also say this liberty hills defense the past couple of weeks i think we've seen when they face a team with some explosiveness, they are pretty vulnerable. Yeah, especially against the pass. Uh, yes. and, and they're playing an offense that's going to be faster and bigger than any offense they've seen all year. Cros- Crosby 
does not lack for speed. They don't lack for size. I think the big question is what's the status of Danique has done their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an, a sensational dual threat, but you could tell last week in the Fort Bend Marshall game, he was playing on a bum, on a bum wheel. Mm-hmm. He, his ankle was heavily taped. He was not at a hundred percent, but man, Reggie Branch, you got to give him a ton of credit. He was splitting take care, splitting time with Dunn at quarterback, and he he put he put the Cougars on his back last week. Yeah, and and had a you know ran for two hundred yards and three touchdowns, had seventy one yards receiving and a touchdown. And he did a little bit of everything for Crosby. Um, I think Crosby, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Dunn is still hobbled if they go to the two quarterback system or if Dunn the extra week to to heal up. I guarantee you, Jerry Preto has not had Daniquez Dunn. He's been he's been spending a lot of time in the training room this week. I can mm-hmm. I can assure you of that. So uh, I'll be interested to see how, how what the status of Dunn's and because if Dunn's if Dunn's able to go and run around a little bit more, he he they put Liberty Hill in a real bind because Dunn is a true dual threat quarterback, and then you put Branch out wide, and Liberty Hill ain't got nobody that can cover Reggie Branch. No, they don't. Uh, so like, that's 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 I mean you know Sherilyn Pioneer has a couple of really really nice quarterbacks. Uh, or really nice receivers, but nothing like they got with Reggie Branch. I yeah. mean, that's going to be the best receiver they've, put, they've played this year by a factor of about three or four. Exactly. Now, what's interesting, I do believe, now this is this is very much apples to oranges. Very, very much. So I want to be very clear that I'm not comparing these two. I do believe Crosby has seen a slot offense this year. I think, does Santa Fe run the slot T? I don't believe or so. They run the, the double slot. They might run the double slot offense. And there's some similarities, but it ain't the slot. Slot teams they're, the devil. They're diff, they're different. And 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 beyond that, I mean, let's let's put that aside for a moment. It doesn't matter because a let's say they did see it. Santa Fe, God bless them, ain't running the uh, ain't running the offense like Liberty Hill is right now. No, they're not running the they're not running it at the at the efficiency and the pace. Or the they don't have the, the kids that Liberty Hill has. So, yeah. you know, that offense is perfect for Liberty Hill. For for my for my money, this is the most intriguing. Let me re- let me rephrase. This is the toughest game to call this week. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying this is the most. I, I also think that there's a fair. I could see a blowout either way. I this is a really really bizarro fun game of two teams that haven't even thought about each other before this moment, and and now they've got to they've got to you know spend a week game planning for for one another. I think it's interesting. I think uh, I think I lean towards Crosby. I do I think- too. I think the speed advantage is probably what gets it for me. And I think that if you're going to slow down the slot T, you're going to you're going to slow the slot T down with d- penetration up front. You're you're going to get in the backfield and you're going to disrupt things. And I think that's and that's the that's the key to slowing that the offense down. And I think that's where Crosby um, will have an edge. I think mm-hmm. I think that will be able their speed will be able to disrupt the timing of that offense in the backfield. So by that point, we'll all go home. We'll put on our little football pajamas. And then we'll move on to Saturday. And Saturday is 6A day. And we have four 6A state semifinals to get through. We will start 1 o'clock Saturday at McKinney ISD Stadium as the Region 1 champion Denton Geyer Wildcats take on the Region 2 champion Cedar Hill Longhorns, both of whom survived overtime to get here. Yes. Uh, in the case of Geyer, three of them. Mm-hmm. And both of them have the dude. Both of them have the guy that a have great quarterback matchup. In many respects, willed both of them to this point. Mm-hmm. And and I just don't think we can say enough about the fact that when it got to winning time for both Cedar Hill and for Denton Geyer, Carlos Lynn turned to Caden Salter and Rodney Webb turned to Eli Stowers and they said all right, big fella, go, go bring it home. Yep. And sure enough, they did it. And now you get this game head to head at McKinney ISD stadium. And this is to me, this is a game that is all about all the guys who aren't Eli Stowers and Caden Salter. I think this is all about the, the, the supporting cast Mm -hmm. in this game and which of those supporting casts can come up with a big game. I agree. And I think that edge goes to Cedar Hill. Uh, I think this is, this is partly because I think they're, they're, they're healthier than Denton Geyer, but Denton Geyer's banged up, man. Yeah, they are. But 
last year they had Cedar Hill hadn't forgot what happened last year. Yeah. And what happened last year is the, one of the most shocking playoff comebacks you'll ever see. I mean that that, that Cedar Hill was down forty one to fourteen. I mean, see, Denton Geyer was down forty one to fourteen with five minutes left in the third quarter last year in their playoff game. Yeah, there and, were seventeen minutes left, <laughs> and they scored thirty six straight points and won the game. All those onside kicks, it was the craziest thing you'd ever seen. Yeah, Cedar Hill's not has not forgotten that. I, and I know they want they want this shot at Geyer, and they're, they're they've found you know I was a little worried about Cedar Hill last week because Heath they let Heath hang around a lot longer than Dude, they did and credit to Salter and Cedar Hill for making the plays late but that was a game that I could easily have seen them lose so we kind of thought Geyer and Prosper was going to be a rock fight and it was mm-hmm. um, but I, I was really a little worried about Cedar Hill Cedar Hill you know. They, 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 you can, you could say they escaped a little bit last week. So I think they're going to come out this week with a uh, renewed sense of, um, you know, I think they're going to come out, come out the gates quick, and they're going to hit Geyer quick. The key is going to be keeping the foot on the throat, and not letting Geyer off the mat, <laughs> because huh, that if you let him off the mat, you see what happens. Yes, um, you know this is it's really interesting because. Um, I do think that Geyer's defense is a little bit underrated. It's a little bit underrated. The numbers don't blow you away. And I think that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Is it like they don't shut people out? But they can come up with the big plays when they need to. I mean, they held Prosper basically in check the whole the whole of regulation. That was ten. Yeah. That was ten ten going into overtime. Yeah, I mean it was three to three at halftime. You know what I mean? Like their defense. Now they've been torched before. They got torched by Allen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they have been beat up defensively before. But the question now becomes like if this game, this this really could be one of those who has the ball last like hero ball games. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The the f- for me, this is a lot about whether or not Cedar Hills front, which was, I think, very good last week against Heath. And a big reason why they escaped was their defensive front. They did not have to send extra guys to get in the, the the grill of Josh Hoover. They were able to do that. Can they go and take advantage of a relatively wounded Geyer team that, like, for those who don't know, they are they are really banged up. They are. They have a lot of injuries on that side. And they are basically turning to Eli Stowers and saying, go win us this game. Mm-hmm. And credit to Eli Stowers, he's done it a lot. Um, but if you're Cedar Hill, I think that this is about your defensive front, putting pressure on Stowers and making him, making him uncomfortable back there. I think that's it. Yeah. Um, but you make make Stowers throw the ball. Yeah. Make him throw. Don't let him him carry the ball for 250 yards. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, because I do think that the Cedar Hill secondary against the Geyer, uh, receivers is probably advantage Cedar Hill. So, can they get? Can they force him to throw the ball and kind of make Geyer play a game they don't want to play? That's a lot of it. For Geyer, on the other hand, like I think for Geyer, a big thing is that you have just got to make sure that those three yard passes don't go for thirty five, because that's what killed. That's what killed Heath like two or three times. Yeah. That like basically these short tunnel screens, Cedar Hill loves to run these little these little wide receiver screens and the receivers do a great job of blocking. It's about tackling well with Cooper Lands and all those guys, making sure you bottle them up and you've got to keep and, them in front of you. you exactly. You've got to to build a picket fence, not only in the pocket for Salter, because Salter's so elusive. And mm-hmm. he, Salter's double dangerous because he not only can run, but he also when he moves, he looks to throw first. Yes. So you've got to keep a, a picket fence around Salter, and you've almost got to do the same thing with their receivers in space. You've got to have them bottled up and not give them any lanes because you give them a crease, it's church. It's over. It's over because the, the, let me tell you who the faster team in this game is. Okay. It's Cedar Hill. <laughs> yeah. And it's Cedar Hill probably by a significant margin. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know what I mean? So that is the big question here. I love this game. I'm really interested in it. This, of course, going down on. Um, at one o'clock Saturday at McKinney ISD Stadium, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Matthew, let's go to two o'clock. 
We've got a pair of games at two o'clock. We'll start with the D1 game. And dare I say, let me just be, let me be completely disrespectful to the other seven games. <laughs> the main event? I'm going to be there. Uh, I mean, that means something, right? Of course it does. Two o'clock Saturday at Legacy Stadium in Katy. It is a matchup of the defending 6A state champions mm-hmm. for a spot at AT&T Stadium to defend a crown. North Shore can defend the 6A Division One crown. Westlake can go for the champ champ, the double champ, as the Galena Park North Shore Mustangs take on the Westlake Chaparrales. And I want everybody to stop talking about Kate Klubnick and I want everybody to start talking about Chadrick Banks and Demetrius Davis and, and all the, and Jaden Greathouse and all the playmakers for both of these teams, because the matchup here that I am most interested in, and maybe the only matchup I'm interested in is Willie Gaston against Tony Salazar. Yeah. That's it. I don't care about anything else. Those I don't. I, I mean, John K. I like John K. and Todd Dodge a lot. They're nice guys. I don't care. I want to see what happens when the North Shore offensive coordinator, Willie Gaston, takes on the Westlake defensive coordinator, Tony Salazar, because you could make a real argument. These are the two best assistants yeah. these in are, the state. These are two of the brightest assistant coaches in the state, and it's amazing. Now, they've been offered head coaching jobs, both of them. I know for a fact they have, mm-hmm. um, but their situations as coordinators are so good that they've decided to stay. And so this this is a ultimate chess match here um, because what North Shore's done offensively this year has been really remarkable. Um, with the way that Gaston has manipulated personnel groups – and formations to create mismatches has been really impressive because they move, you know, Shadrack Banks is a wide receiver, but they will motion him into the backfield, line him up at running back, and they get him matched up on a linebacker. And that's why you see all these little short passes that Banks catches that he takes to the house because he's matched up on a linebacker because they yeah. formationed you and put you in a bind because they don't, you can't, you can't change your personnel groups on defense based on their offensive format, based on North Shore's formation groups. Because they just all their guys are interchangeable, so you can't get a read on what they're doing, and it's really impressive what they've done, and that the kids have have absorbed this this complicated information and been able to execute it at such a high level. Now, it obviously helps when you have Demetrius Davis as the the, the kind of the head the head of the snake, so to speak. Yeah, he's okay. But, but they've you know they've been fantastic. This is a great matchup. Um, talk to a couple of folks in Austin about Westlake just to kind of get the read, get a read on them. And, you know, the worry for them when they play wet with, when it talk, we talk about Westlake is I don't think we know how good Westlake is because they really hadn't played anybody. That's really, I'm glad you, know, you brought this up. They didn't get a chance to play their late Travis game, which in late Travis was not as good as they have been, but, that still would have been a nice litmus test to see where Westlake is. So let me just, I'm just going to the computer. Okay. Now, now, I mean, now in hindsight, we'll talk about this team in a moment, but their best win of the year is over Buta Hayes. Mm-hmm. Like that's, uh, that's a win that's aged extremely well. Yes. But according to the computer and the, and the computer is not, you know, all knowing, all seeing, et cetera. Their most, the game that they played, that they were favored by the least, that they were favored by the least was their second week game at Hewitt Midway when they were only 18 point favorites. Now, two things. One, Midway ended up being, you know, I would say relatively disappointing, right? Mm -hmm. It's fair to say. And two, 18 points is a three score game. Okay. They have not played anybody even close to their weight class, in my opinion. And that is the real challenge of not playing Lake Travis because as much as we want to see a battle of the lakes, just because we like seeing that game, it's also a measuring stick for those two that now, like we'll never know how good Lake Travis was. Like we just won't. Yeah, we won't like, um, and, and well, and, and you know, we're going to find out this week how good Westlake is. And one of the things that I am a little bit, when I look at this game, one of the things that I am concerned about from the Westlake perspective is this this just sounds like I'm a real um, I mean I'm guys I'm a professional football analyst so you can trust me when I say uh <laughs> North Shore's just a lot bigger than Westlake. Yeah. They're like bigger and they're faster. They have they have guys who are physically larger. Yeah. <laughs> like they eat more. You know mm-hmm. like I'm I'm not uh, sometimes it's not some, that complicated. And so for me 
that is where in a game that figures to be hard to call and difficult to 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 sort these two one of the things that i look at is the fact that all right who's the faster team i think it's north shore right Mm -hmm. who's the bigger team i think it's north shore who's the team that's played the tougher schedule and come out unbeaten i don't think there's really any doubt it's north shore Mm -hmm. so does that now now none of that matters once you get on the field none of the the who have you played matters once you get on the field I am very interested to see what happens because I'll I'll be honest, the other side of the ball is not getting talked about enough because Westlake's offense has been humming. It yeah. has been humming. Kinders, yeah. North Shore's defense has been North Shore's defense is great until they get bored. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? North Shore, like for example, a uh, perfect example is that Tompkins game. They were cruising, and then they let Tompkins like return a kickoff or something, and then like that. But like, other than that, they have not allowed they like they have not allowed more than twenty two points in a game. Uh, they the the most they gave up was twenty three when they beat Klein Collins in a kind of well, a game that's kind of ended up being a little bit weird. Uh, early, so. Yeah, I was at that game. That was a week two game. Yep. You know, Klein Collins was healthy at that point, and North Shore, North Shore was still trying to figure out a few yeah. things. And North Shore's defense was young early in the year. Yes, that's a young fun. defense. Yeah, that has improved greatly as the year has gone along. So here's here's the thing. Here's the path to victory for Wesley. Because I think the computer has North Shore by one. Um, I think that's a little light for me. Um, the The key for Westlake in this one is going to be they're going to need to they're going to need to make a couple impact plays on special teams, in my opinion. Um, and I think they need to be about plus two in the turnover margin. Um, if they do that, they can win this game. But I, I think the size advantage, and I, and 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 I just, I just keep going back, and this is not fair, but I just keep going back to those 2018 and 2019 semifinals with Lake Travis between North Shore and Lake Travis, and North Shore basically dominated them. You know what I mean? Like they definitely dominated them 2018, 2019. Lake Travis was able to hang around a little bit, but like it was never the, the outcome was never really in doubt. I wonder if this is different. That's my question in this one. I think it's different in the fact that I think Westlake, especially defensively, is better than those two late Travis teams. Agreed. But I still think North Shore eventually pulls away and gets the win. I think this is still, you know, I think that's is, right. we're, we're living in North Shore's world right now. In, in the end, West now again, in the, in the end, somebody's got to come up with a solution for Demetrius Davis and um, and Shadrick Banks, not if, to mention Xavier Owens, Davian Ford, Charles King, Charles King, all those guys. But if there is a guy who can figure it out, it's Tony, is it Salazar. Tony Salazar. Absolutely. It's if there's a defense that's going to slow North Shore down, I think it's Lake Travis. I mean, I'm sorry, Westlake, Westlake, Westlake. Gosh. Yeah, Westlake. Um, you're about to get flooded with emails. So oh, sorry. Uh, amazing. Love this game. I'm going to be locked in. Two Can't o'clock. wait to watch it. Can't wait to be there Saturday. It's going to be great. Um, I'm excited. Okay, the other two o'clock game. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, the other one. Um, two o'clock Saturday at McLean Stadium in Waco. As the champions of Region Three, unsurprisingly, the Katy Tigers are here taking on the champions of Region Four, the Buda Hayes Consolidated <laughs> Rebels. Go. Less goad and their pistol slot T offense. How about the only unranked team left? The only team that, that started the year unranked in Dave Campbell's Texas football. And now here in the Hayes Rebels. And look, man, 38 points against Vandergrift. Now, part of it is the uh, there were a couple of turnovers late that I believe set up short fields or mm-hmm. maybe even have been a pick six for Hayes that kind of turned that thing around. But, dude, that offense with Durand Hill and all those guys, it is cooking and it is fun to watch like they're throwing yeah. the ball a little bit oh yeah they, they they busted out the passing game last week and and it was impressive they they can Hayes is I watched a good portion of the Hayes Vandergriff game and I was I came away very impressed with Hayes this is a really solid team that is kind of wonky to get ready for and I, I the, the challenge of, of Katie who's always plays such tough defense they're so well coached they're so disciplined and they're very talented um, I mean, they've got a Florida State commit running around in the secondary back there. So this is a really good uh, defense that Katie brings to the table. 
trying to figure out the crack the code of less go to the pistol slot T offense. It's going to be really a fascinating matchup. Um, I got a good chance to look at Katie last week. They dominated Clear Falls, and you want to talk about a vintage Katie team? This is a vintage Katie team. Yeah. They come out I formation, two tight ends, one wide receiver, and they line up and say, "Here, we're coming right at you. We're gonna we're gonna toss it to Jalen. What are you gonna do about it?" (laughs) <laughs> and we're going to run right at you and stop us. And this is a, you know, Caleb Cogart, our sophomore quarterback, when they do play action and throw the ball with him, uh, he does a good job. He's going to be really good when he's finished at Katie. And by the time he's done as a senior, they're, they're going to open their offense up a lot more. But right now with him being a sophomore, they're kind of easing him into things. And he doesn't have to make a lot of plays because they've, they they run the ball so well. So um, that's an underrated matchup as well. Um Katie's been in these big games before. I know they haven't been in the semifinals in a few years because they've been running into North Shore in Division One. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Hayes, obviously, first deep playoff run in a long time. I think the big game atmosphere is finally going to catch up to Hayes in this one, and, and Katie, Katie gets the win and advances to the state title game. But I'm really, I'll be really inter- interested to see early if Katie is befuddled by this Hayes offense. Yeah, and that's kind of to me that that's going to be really interesting to watch. One thing that I, I'm I'm a little bit worried about from the Hayes perspective is that their defensive front seven, Vandegrift was not a team that was going to challenge them defensively. Like that's a team that that that, that once once Hayes got to like 21 points, uh, it was probably over at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they are going through into a situation where this is a team that wants to bully you up front. And can they find a way to not be bullied? Plain and simple. And by the way, like, look again. It's all you know. Give give a ton of credit to uh, to Hayes for for making it this for making it this far, and and, and certainly not a consolation prize or anything. But like, they have not faced a big physical front, uh, offensive front, in my opinion, in the playoffs. <clears throat> I mean, the biggest was probably San Antonio Johnson, right? And San Antonio Johnson rang up thirty one on them. You know what I mean, and this is this is to me a superior offense than that, and so the 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 onus is on the Hayes defense to hold them in this game, uh, uh, and and let that offense get to work. Um, I think Katie's got to be your favorite in this one. The computer likes Katie by twenty two. Um, that's you know. I might, I might, I might go a little bit under that because I think that that deep, I think that Hayes offense is going to be able to get some move the ball a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, I think that's, I think Katie's got to be your favorite uh, in this one. And by the way, man, we've talked a lot about Hayes in recent weeks, like this whole season. Like they have had such an, a, a big impact on this season because remember, they were they were a big reason why Westlake went down to division, went to mm-hmm. division one. Yep, you know that I mean? went over Bowie late in the year to to lock in Westlake Division one. Amazing. And look at them now. They won a won a regional title. Exactly. And now, in fact, you know what? It's funny. I bet there's I bet there's tape of us saying like Hayes and Bowie is only interesting because it, of what it says to Westlake. And now yeah. Yeah. here's Hayes. Yeah. Then they they replayed the tape in, in the locker room pregame yeah, before like, yeah, exactly. And then they go out there and beat Katie and make us look like idiots again. All right. And there, we will at that point have punched seven. Tickets to AT&T Stadium in Arlington. There will be one left to punch, and that will go down down the street from AT&T Stadium in Arlington at Globe Life Park at 3 o'clock as the Southlake Carroll Dragons take on the Duncanville Panthers. And first and foremost, well, like this is an insider podcast, so I don't mind giving people a little bit from behind the scenes. From what I understand, tell me, correct me if I'm wrong, but they were they wanted to wait and see if AT&T was available. What was going on with the stadium so situation? They both wanted to play at AT&T Stadium. The problem was is that the Cowboys, you know, still had a game to play on Sunday and there was a chance that they could have made the playoffs and all that, you know, with the way the games rolled Sunday afternoon. And then the the what made them eventually go to Globe Life Park was that I think they were willing to wait until the, you know, the NFL games played themselves out. But when AT&T Stadium basically said, well, even if we are available, your two slots are 12 or 7. And South Lake and Duncanville both wanted a mid-afternoon kickoff. For whatever reason, and I don't know why AT&T would not offer up a 3 or 4 o'clock kickoff. Maybe it has something to do with the workers at the stadium and the shift change. I'm not really sure. But they they said 12 or 7 are the two times. And neither one – they didn't want to play at 12 and they didn't want to play at 7. So they just said, well, we'll go across the street and play at Globe Life and play at 3 o'clock when we want to play. 
And so here um, we are. Yeah. And so they're both returning to Globe Life. They both won at Globe Life last week. Mm-hmm. And both looked pretty darn good doing it. So Alpha Carroll went out there and cooked up uh Yule Strandy. And and I'll just I'll just say that I put this in the Slack chat. But like this strikes me as 6A Division 1 is the perfect example, especially Region 1. 6A that's a perfect example of styles make fights. Mm-hmm. That Trinity in hindsight, we should have seen that coming because Trinity was a nightmare matchup for Allen. Just a yes. really bad matchup. Allen does not match up with them really well this year. Once, especially once you you saw how 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 good Holly Gordon was cooking. Tr- Trinity traditionally, even even in Allen's best years, yeah. Trinity's given them given them fits. Yes. And last week, it became very apparent very early that Carol was a very bad matchup for Trinity. Man, Quinn Ewers was. Cooking with Crisco last week. My God, did he? He what? Thirty-five of thirty-nine or something? Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, yeah. Brady Boyd had seventeen catches for two sixty-one and three touchdowns. I mean, that offense. That was. I mean, look. Let's just uh, if he listens to the podcast. Hey, Riley. Um, the <laughs> that was Riley Dodge stuff. Yeah, that was. I mean, that's Riley Dodge, Chase Daniel. Chase Watson, like vintage Carroll offense, right there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and I, I guarantee you, I would have. Lo- you were probably wearing a mask, but I guarantee you, there is like just a wry smile across Riley Dodge's face, who's just going like, "I've seen this before. Yeah. I know what this is going on." Um, now, but 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 Trinity, Trinity was a team that I think we all agree that the defense was their second best weapon, right? Second mm-hmm. best unit. Well, here's Duncanville, and you can't say that about Duncanville even kinda. <laughs> Duncanville's got some grown ass men on that defense. Yes. That is that is a ferocious front seven for Duncanville. Um I mean Kendrick Blackshire, I mean his nickname is Thanos for a reason. I mean, <laughs> he looks like Kendrick Blackshire, and I say this with all due respect, he looks like he drops his kids off at daycare before he comes to the football game. <laughs> He well, he, what he, he, does, he is, looks he looks like a thirty five year old NFL player. He looks like he goes in there and he logs a shift, right? Yeah. He goes he goes he goes in and he clocks in at work and he he does his job and and stuff like that. He he makes coffee, he makes he talks in the break room, and then he's like, oh boy, he looks at his watch and goes, oh boy, I got to get the football practice. Yeah, um, and that's what he does. I mean, he he is, and 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 that whole front is scary. And Desoto found out about that. Last Soto week. couldn't block him. That was the that was the difference in the ball game. Desoto could not block Duncanville's defensive line. It was it was. I mean, yeah, and 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 you know, Desoto Desoto made it interesting for a minute. Yeah, they cut it to fourteen for a minute, and then Duncanville hit the gas once again. Yeah, and now, credit to their offense. Grayson James had had his best game. Yeah. Uh, throwing he threw for four hundred yard over four hundred yards, and I mean, Roderick Daniels. We know what he can do. I mean, the, the SMU signee is a. Man, he, he gets the ball in space and he's gone. He's he's he's, scary. he's electric. He's he as I, as, I, as I tweeted out, he's got the juice. He he most certainly has got the juice. Now let's also remember that this is that we saw this last year in a regional final. Does that sound right? Yes, regional final last year. Regional yeah. final, and mm-hmm. it did not go well for Carroll. Carroll was straight up not having a good time as no. they got bodied up front, forty nine thirty five. That's my favorite gif on Twitter, by the way. Is I'm straight up not having. I'm a straight good up time. not having a good time. Forty nine thirty five to so or a Duncanville. They they basically and it wasn't that close. That that's a lot closer than that. That yeah. that game, Carroll scored I think three touchdowns in garbage time. Uh yeah yep I'm seeing that I'm seeing that yeah. this game was. 35-14 going to the fourth. Duncanville made it a little bit, or I'm sorry, Carroll made it a little bit better. So now, but here is the thing, though. I will say this. Carroll has been able to move the ball on Duncanville. They were last week, last year, and I do think their offensive line is better than DeSoto's. Okay. Yes, absolutely. I, I think there's that. But are they good enough for long enough mm-hmm. to give Quinn yours time to operate. That's the because, big question. Look, if there is a weak, I will say that if there's a weakness to Duncanville's defense, it's in the back end. Mm-hmm. The back end is good. It's not elite. It can be had. It can be had. As the Soto showed last week. Yeah, it can be had. Yeah. And so a lot, I mean, I, I, uh, this sounds like I'm just saying the same thing about every game. This comes down to whether or not Carroll can protect. 
Mm-hmm. If they if, can protect, mm-hmm. game on. Because but if Quinn, they can't, it's over. Because Quinn Ewers is the he's the best quarterback in the country for a reason. He's yeah. he's that good. If they can keep him somewhat clean and allow him to go through reads, go through progressions, and find a guy, then Duncanville will have will have trouble. That's the key. It, it, it yeah. really boils down because I, I think I can safely assume Duncanville is going to move the ball in South Lake. South Lake's defense is solid, but not great. Duncanville's offense is improving, and Duncanville's got playmakers that I think can do damage. I think we can safely assume Duncanville's going to score 28 to 35 points on South Lake Carroll. Yeah. The question is, can South Lake's offense do that against Duncanville's defense? Yeah. That's, or, that's, does, or does Duncanville win a 35 to 14 kind of game? Yeah, it could be something like that, too. Because, like, to me, if this is a shootout, Carroll's got the better offense by. I would say a considerable margin. Mm-hmm. I like Duncanville's offense. I think they, I think you're right. I think they are getting better. I don't think they're super special. Like, I don't think that they're just this, this unbelievable, you know, just like, like, uh, you know, juggernaut. I think, I think in a lot of ways, they just matched up really well with this against DeSoto and like ran away from them. But like, I, I have not, I, I remain relatively like, uh, pretty good. You know what I mean? Pretty good about well, for that Duncanville offense. Now, part of that is that we're comparing it to when they had Jaquin and Jackson, which is straight up not fair. That's yeah, not they, fair. They had, Jaquin and Jackson was a different, you know, yeah. I, I, I talked to Riley Dodge today about that. And he was like, I'm really glad I don't have to prepare for him again because that yeah. guy was so good. He was like, sure. you know, and he, he was obviously very concerned about the other playmakers that Duncanville has, but he was also like, man, I'm glad because he was like, he was like, he was like, we could be in the right place at the right time. And Jaquinnon would still get six yards. Right. He's like, we could play everything perfect, be in the backfield, and Jaquinnon was still good enough on his own to get six yards. Yeah. I will also say this. Uh, I think Owen Allen's an important part of this game. Um, because if they're able to run the ball, and they're able to mi- at least keep keep the defensive, the, the defensive line from pinning their ears back and just coming after yours, if they're able to run the ball, and Owen Allen's able to have a big game. Like, okay, this well, is even not a big game, but just you know, can can he yes. can he rush rush for enough yards to keep Duncanville honest? Dude, it's so this is so interesting to me because on one hand, I I, I feel like there is there is a very chalky way this goes, which is Duncanville goes out there and they win a game, something like you mentioned, like 30, 35, 35, 14, 35, 21, right, something like that. That's a super. I can absolutely see that. Dude, I can straight up seeing Carroll winning this game too. I think I've talked myself into it. Now, maybe it's because I haven't necessarily like I'll also know like three plays in, <laughs> like three snaps in, because if you if Quinn Ewers is lying on his back three times in three plays, then like we know which way this is going. Yeah. Like it, it just really comes down to that. So uh a fascinating matchup. And by the way. We we really just should you know, we shouldn't gloss over this. There is a possibility, like there are so many interesting possibilities in the six A game or six eight contests. We could have um, a, a rematch of the game we've had the last couple of years. We could also have Todd Dodge versus his son. Yeah. Um. You know, we. I mean, it it is. There's 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 a few different ways this could go. All of them are interesting. Um. I mean, I I also think this. I I think what's very interesting about this this when you look at six A D one. I think you've got three legit coaching legends and a guy who is well on his way to that mm-hmm. all there. Like from a head coaching perspective, like you've got, I mean, you really can't ask for a whole lot more. No. Um, and, and, you know, to, to zoom out a little bit, cause that's all eight games. I, I would need to go back and listen to the podcast and maybe it's because there's only eight of them and I can go a little bit hyper-focused on them. Dude, I'm hyped about this weekend. It's a great weekend. It's a great it's a semifinal great, weekend. Like, yeah. With the exception of uh, Katie and Hayes, where I feel like that's a bit of a bad matchup for Hayes, and with the exception of maybe Summit and Ryan, mm-hmm. simply because Ryan's been such a juggernaut. Dude, I think you've got... You know, I think six have banger potential. You really do. Now, yeah. all of them, here's the other thing. What's funny is that all of them have blowout potential too. I can definitely see like we like what are, like we're back here Sunday recording podcast for state championships. Like, what were we thinking? That game was never going to be close. Yeah. But I do think you've got a, like this is a fabulous slate of games that I'm really excited to lock in on 
and 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 dive in. So, uh, where are you going this week? So Friday, I will be where the apparently most of the DCTF crew is going to be. Yeah. As uh, I'll be in San Antonio for Cedar Park and Corpus Christi Vets at uh, Alamo Stadium, and I will definitely be getting my taco palenque on. Yeah. Uh, might go post game. We might have a group outing as Will Wilkerson and Ashley Pickle will be there too. So it'll be great. And then Saturday, I will swing uh, east on I-10 and head over to Katy for uh, the showdown, North Shore and Austin-Westlake for the uh, 6A Division One uh, spot in that, cha- that state championship game at beautiful Legacy Stadium. Second it, week in a row at Legacy Stadium. By the way, and we glossed over this with um, – um, we glossed over this whenever we were talking about uh, North Shore and Westlake, but uh, I also think it is a very – a, a not insignificant advantage that North Shore got to play in Houston. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, because, and I've, I've mentioned, you know, we've talked about this before, but North Shore doesn't leave Houston. Like, they just don't. Only and, to play state championship games. Yeah, only, yeah, that's when they do. And, the, you know, they do it once a year, basically. Um, to get them at Legacy, I think, is a real, did I, I, I assume they flipped for it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think they flipped Legacy for uh, San Antonio. I think Westlake chose because I mean, even though Legacy is in Houston, I mean it's still an hour. Yeah. It's an hour drive for North Shore, and I believe they flipped Legacy for um, I believe Heroes Stadium in San Antonio okay. was the home neutral. So well, there you go. That's eight games. That's what you're doing this weekend. Um, It'd be great. It's it's going to be fun. Um, and of course, we will have our state championship coverage uh, starting uh, probably Sunday night, Monday morning. I mean, the thing is, like these games, I mean, we'll know all four state championship game matchups by six o'clock. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, six, six, six thirty Saturday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. In I time mean, for the yeah. In time for football team versus Tampa Bay Saturday night. Yeah. Football team versus Tampa Bay. Could have been Cowboys versus Tampa. Oh, oh man. And it's Tom tough. Brady would have just yeah, he would have annihilated that Cowboys yeah. defense. Got the number ten draft pick. It's all it's better. Number ten draft. We'll take, we'll take that. Yeah, That's and gonna... then uh, so I guess uh, then next week we'll have uh, a two pods next week, right? We'll do a Friday well, and a Saturday. Friday pod. and a Saturday. Yeah. yeah. So Friday and Saturday. And, and by then, the way, if you're listening to this on Monday or Tuesday, uh, make sure you tune into Fox Sports Southwest and on Tuesday evening and watch the one uh, A Division Two State Championship game, Balmeray and and Richard Springs. From San Angelo, yeah. There you go. Yeah. I already gave my I already gave, already gave Adam places to eat in San Angelo. There you go. So. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us uh, and being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Step, thanks for your courage. Thank you. Talk to you next week for state championship episodes of Tevin's Tevin.